Until the age of 21, I had never considered leaving the comforts of my home. It still seems crazy to me that I picked up and left on a whim to an unknown place, sadly leaving the friends and family I love so much behind. Moving for me and most others provides opportunity for reflection and growth. Reflection on one's life and growth of character, experiences, and, in my case, biceps and malats. <laughs> Joking, of course. Uh, I tell this story as it runs along parallel lines with the story of today's guest. However, although our story elements may be similar, there is a stark contrast in the details. Listen, as Rene outlines his journey from Ghana to Korea and overcomes all obstacles that are put in front of him. With hard work, determination, persistence, and a little help from his friends. You are now tuned into This Korean Life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of This Korean Life. Today with us is angel investment superstar, former Eunice <laughs> president, Rene yeah. Ousu Afram. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you very much, sir. It's a no, pleasure. Not the Eunice president. The, the, <laughs> the Eunice Foreign International Student Council president. That's yeah, the same. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. The same. He's, wielding, he's wielding some power. <laughs> We're, I used to. I used to. We're here early on uh, early on a Sunday morning. We're supposed to start at seven, but Nate's on. What, what, what's the time? How did you <laughs> How did you refer to that? Oh, that's GMT Ganaman time. Ganaman uh, <laughs> time or Ganamine time? Welcome. But isn't that everywhere in the world? Well, I don't know if I've met a culture that's on time. Koreans are always on time, I guess. Really? <laughs> you gotta marry a Korean then. Oh, okay. <laughs> we are working on that. We are working on that. <laughs> I know we say we, we used to say Ghana time, but here they say Korea time, and it seems everywhere you go they say that. Uh, what was the what's the Chinese lady you referenced last time with the blue and the red contrasting cultures, oh, east and west? I, I think it's a. Because her, her thing says Asians are always late and Westerns are people are always on time. Yeah, that's but, not true. <laughs> no, definitely not. That's a, I know even in uh, I don't know if it was part of that blue and blue and red pictures, but I think I read somewhere in even in Europe I was surprised to to learn that if someone invited you over for a dinner party, yeah, and you showed up early or on time, that would be viewed as um as rude because wow. you should expect that they're not ready on time and you should give them that extra 10 or 15 minutes grace period well i was just waiting in the parking lot i just didn't want renee to be the only guy late <laughs> okay <laughs> so i was gonna that send was you a message one. and ask you is he there that yet i don't one. i don't want him to be alone on the gonna gonna one time yeah. this is the the most, yeah, to wait here for you. <laughs> the most the most respectful entrance ever goes to go to renee oh, excuse okay. me can I come in now? <laughs> <laughs> no, wait in the hall till we're ready to record. <laughs> Anyways, welcome, welcome. Thank you very much, sir. So how long have you been here now? Five years and counting. Yeah. Wow. Last summer was exactly five years I've been here. Uh, five short but very eventful years. And now Korea pretty much feels like home. Really? To be honest, yes. So. And pretty successful in five years. Awesome. Lots of accomplishments. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I, I remember um, I've been home two times, and each time I felt like I'm visiting another country, which is very funny. Because, really? 
Yeah, because um, I when, thought that was only us. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, well I, I don't know. I don't know when the turning point is. How long you have to stay somewhere before home feels not like home? Exactly. It's, and and we've been abroad for so long that there we always feel that going home, and it comes up all the time. But five years doesn't seem like that long. And this is probably a lot more different from your home and your culture than exactly. I, I mean, it's very different from ours. But Ghana is pretty homogeneous in some ways yeah but but i mean we're from a very multicultural place so i mean this is much more different for you probably than us yeah that's right so i'm a little surprised to hear that yeah yeah that's right actually um i don't know what influenced me in my growth a lot but i didn't really identify with anybody much back home mm. to be honest the culture was just weird i developed an ocd i guess so many things Back then, then I feel like when I got in Korea, so many things did click for me that I felt like I don't feel like a Korean, mm. <laughs> yeah. but I feel like the system works and it calms my don't, OCD. Don't, don't try to tell them you're half Korean. No, I'm not. They'll never believe you. No, I'm not. And I, I, I don't even think the society is going to accept me as one anyway, so I wouldn't sweat it. <laughs> I wonder if it's Korean society or just that time in your life when mm. you came at what age? Twenty. I came at 20? nineteen. At nineteen. Yeah. Shit, that's young. I came at <laughs> I came at twenty two, and that was kind of a not I don't want to say an enlightening experience, but just I think it was that time in my life when it was just oh twenty two twenty two. But he never left Niagara Falls. <laughs> like wow. he'd never been outside Niagara Falls, man. Not even Toronto. Man, uh, yeah. Same, same. So, actually, I've never been out of my city, and then this day, <laughs> I was in Korea. Yeah. My first, my first airplane flight was I visited a friend in uh, in Victoria, um, near Vancouver, and then next I jumped. I was there for a week or so, and then and then I came over here. Yeah, wild. And I, I, I was I finished my stint in West Africa before mm. I had come here, so it was. I was looking, I was craving, I was like, wow, I don't want to go home, that's boring, there's so much, <laughs> so much cool stuff out there, I want to keep right, going, and right. that's, I developed that mentality that every, every country was like a classroom in the university, and I want to study every subject, and I, I want to go, and, and you, you like some, you don't like some, but I want to go and see what every class was all about, and I just want yeah. to keep traveling and adventure. I was, I, I felt really trapped kind of in my city, I felt like it was kind of coming in on me, and I don't know, I didn't want to escape from everyone but it, it felt like i needed to to go somewhere to yeah. kind of you know uh like a butterfly man typical <laughs> typical southern ontario don't leave anywhere Just, yeah. the world revolves around toronto and surrounding area yeah. uh, everything so, there 19 yeah 19 <laughs> that's a huge i don't want to say risk but that's a, a huge decision yeah yeah actually i made that decision shall i say at the age of 13 to leave Ghana. Thirteen? <laughs> Thirteen. No. So I was going to high school and then I remember the day my dad dropped me off and I was like, Dad, I don't think I wanna study here in Ghana. I wanna move. Mm. And I think this is my last level I'm gonna study here. And he was like, Oh, whatever you do, I support you. Don't worry, just <laughs> I'm go going on. to Korea. Bullshit. <laughs> so, so I graduated high school at seventeen and I was like, Okay. Um, I'm is, not going to the university. Is that quicker than most kids? Seventeen? I think Pretty we finished very that very early. Yeah, we finished seventeen. High school? You go to safe grad in, in Manitoba. You go to safe grad. Some guys can drink and some can't because they're not old enough. That's why they made safe grad. Graduation's usually June. So if your birthday is the second half of the year, you're still seventeen. Oh right, 
guy. <laughs> but if you're, if, uh, I graduated. Sorry, sorry. I graduated, yeah, you graduated in June. And you can start college at 17. So you cannot drink for your first semester at college. Yeah, that's normal. You start drinking at 19, not 18. In on Manitoba, it's 18. Really? See, you got to leave. <laughs> yeah, you got to leave, man. Every province, it's 18, 19, 18, 19, 18, 18. Yes. Yeah, okay. So, anyways. Oh, what? Really? It goes yes, every other province? Yes, from BC, every province to Ontario. I don't know what the East Coast is, but yeah. Huh. You gotta go back. (laughs) (laughs) So where where are you from? Are you from Accra? Um, no, I'm from Quebec. It's in the a little bit the middle belt. Um, (laughs) middle belt. (laughs) Yeah, in the middle belt. (laughs) I'll call that. Listen, it's Kumasi, Accra, Tema, or very close to Kumasi. It's about (laughs) an hour drive from Kumasi. Okay, but I've never been there. That's really? the intri- yeah, my, my parents moved to the capital. They had me there, and I've been there since I was born. And then next stop, Korea. So so you're from around, somewhere around Kamasi, and you moved to Accra? No, my parents are from there. So you are from uh, where your parents come from, not where you're born. <laughs> where are you from? I'm from oh, Kamasi. Oh, yeah, I was trying to figure that out. Yeah, yeah, you are where your parents come from, the tribe they belong to. I didn't ask about your parents. Yeah, but... <laughs> This is how it works, if you, right? If you ask me, I will say I'm a citizen of the world. I don't really identify as Good. But but just for me, for reference, having lived there, right? You're you're from Accra. Yeah, I'm. A, then you can say I'm from the. Country. And your family? What do you say? Your tri- your family's tribe? Yeah. Is from the middle belt. The middle belt. <laughs> Sounds like the Rust Belt or something, oh. or, or the Midwest. Oh or wow! The middle yeah. belt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's wild. But yeah, that's yeah. your instinct to respond to that question, where are you from in Ghana, with yeah. where your parents are from? Yeah. Even though you've never been there? Never been there. <laughs> never seen anybody. I was actually pretty shielded from my big family, my extended family, for spiritual reasons. <laughs> for the black magic phenomenon. I'm sure they deserve something about that. The juju special. Yeah, the juju special. So, pretty shielded. I don't even know 10 family members of head. Oh, really? Yeah. Ten family members of what? Offhead. Like, oh. I cannot even know their names. Okay, or... but being a, a global citizen, yeah, sitting with two global citizens, when we say, where are you from in Canada, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would not never say where my parents are from. Mm-hmm. So being a global citizen, how do you think we would perceive your aunt? Like, I say, <laughs> okay, Kumasi, but I've never been there. Well, you just said you're from there. Yeah. It's, it's... How is that instinct still built into you? Um, I think it's um a cultural thing. I think um the way we understand that you're descended from the blood, the bloodline. So you're from where your blood, the source of your bloodline. Let me put it in that way. Huh. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty much that would go just back to your parents. It wouldn't be exactly great. parents and grandparents. So they also identify um um coming from the place their parents came from, which is goes back mm. into the line yeah so my dad pretty much lived in the capital most of his life i would say i think in the early years he was back in my hometown but 20 years he moved to the capital and he has stayed there forever so is there a big uh generation gap between you and your dad huge yeah a giant leap i'm telling you because mm. <laughs> i would imagine i don't know how fast how fast it's developed but i mean um, even even between me and my dad technologically he like yeah. he doesn't want to use a tablet or anything like that. Right, what right. about between you and your? Uh... But that that depends also, right? What? Because well, I I look at the gap between my in laws here and my parents, where mm-hmm. my nice. parents live 
with with machines. <laughs> and right. and I think part of that is because we have a huge family spread out all over Canada. And if we didn't have that, I mean, they would still be writing letters, but they take advantage of having iPads or whatever else. And now with the grandkids, they can talk to everybody. So they're very well connected. But my mother-in-law, she wouldn't even know how to turn a computer on. I, I would yeah. I would be safe to bet she's never used a computer where my dad worked on a computer his whole life. So in, in that way, I think, but I don't know, if, what was Bry doing before? He was pounding grapes or something? Who? Making wine? Your dad. Or not, sorry, not Bry. Bry. Do you know? He was work? work? Yeah. Yeah, he worked at the wine. Yeah. yeah. The... But no, there's no need for, for iPads or, or any form <laughs> of technology to, to do that. But he just, yeah, he just refuses to, to jump in. So there's a lot of context to the gap in mm. that back in Africa, knowledge goes from the top down, not the down up. Yeah. You, you get what I mean? My dad will never gonna sit down and let me lecture him about how to use the phone. Because <laughs> yeah. he, he knows everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then they are very stuck in their own um, ways. They very stubborn. Very stubborn. Mm. Traditional. Conservative. Yeah. Mm. It's crazy. So yeah, he believes he, you know, one day he told me, hey, don't marry a well-educated woman. She's going to talk back to you. And I was like, yo, I need her to talk back to me. <laughs> because, yeah, she has a brain too. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, they are very stuck in their own ways. But um, the heart is bigger than everything. You know, they love you. You know, they care for you. You know, they have their best interest, even though sometimes it's quite detrimental <laughs> in that sense. What, yeah. what, what did your father do or what does he do? He's he's a businessman. So funny oh thing. God. Our that means selling bush meat or there's all kinds of <laughs> car, car parts, everything, pretty much. So our tribe is known for business. So funny, when I started studying science, my dad was like, wait for it. It's coming. <laughs> it's going to hit you. So, yeah, he's been a businessman. Um, I cannot tell you exactly what he does because it's almost what the market is demanding. What is changing? What is, um, what is being... But he's in import-export or... Import-export, supply demand. Anything yeah. he can make money of, he will make money of. Yeah, huh. so... Awesome. Okay, so I got a question then. Yes. Because he said, what? Don't marry a well-kitted woman? Well-educated. Well-educated well educated women. Yeah. Okay. Um, but when I was there, and maybe I was in the Western region, but the women ran the show. Yeah. I, I saw lots of the men That's as... I saw lots problem. Of, I saw lots of the men <laughs> as lazy and uh, yeah. unmotivated. And, like, you never see a million ways to sleep like you would in Ghana. On the right. bench, upside down on the bench, <laughs> in a like tree, cats, on cats. the floor. <laughs> You've never seen how many places you could just walk by in the middle of the day and go, that guy's got a great life. He's just sleeping on the side of a curb. And he's, yeah. not, he's not homeless or anything. It's just, it's so relaxed and so... Exactly. S- this is the Ganaman time. Right, right, right. It's just so... Hey, you told me you had a meeting at 2. It's 2.30. I'm going to leave in 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> You're just sitting on the curb. It's okay, man. It's okay. Just relax. What's so, the rush? But the women were always working hard. They were always busting... And, the merchants and at the at the markets, it's all the women, it's all women. working hard and, and making the money. And you never, I never saw <laughs> a lot of guys working hard. And, and at the same time, there wasn't a lot of men in suits making big bucks. Okay, in the big city, yeah, yeah. you'll have some of those guys, which your father might be a part of. <laughs> but 
in the rest of society, yeah, yeah. it seems like it's the women running the show, working hard, making money, you know, making things happen. Yeah. How do you speak to that? So, um, it's very interesting. It's a very great observation, actually, because <laughs> in a very micro environment as my family, the women run it. My dad is all mouthy, but it's the women that run it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, our society really, we put women in a very high pedestal, actually, such that it backfires in a way that, uh, yes, it does, because I think <laughs> that it makes the women um, over-dependent on guys in some way. So let me let me just break this down. So back home, my dad taught us the three Ps. You protect, you provide, and you profess, right? So... You make sure you got your sisters back. You make sure you take care of them, whatever they need. And it even grows into my friends. When I take like a girl out for a date, she doesn't even have to be my girlfriend. I take care of everything. Mm. If I don't, I'm an asshole, mm. that kind of thing. So we go at the, the women's pace. Even when you look at our system of inheritance, even the royal blood, you inherit from your mother's side, not your father's side. Really? Yes. Oh. It's a matrilineal kind of system. In all, most of our tribe. So, women kind of run the show, but the men are more like the mouthy guys and then that kind of thing. So, it's a very interesting observation. I think, in, I, I mean, let's be honest. The women always run the show. Everywhere. But, but you know what I mean? It's different. Um, and, and when you go to Thailand or some Southeast Asian countries, you see that women have like the the, the breadwinning role. Women are women, yeah. women are in charge. And then when you come to Korea, I mean, it's mostly the men who are who are the breadwinners. Right. But the women still control the household and all the finances right. and everything else. But I just mean in, in Ghana, it's like, yeah, the women are doing the, most. The, I don't mean in other countries they don't, but that the men aren't the main breadwinners. And, and that the the men aren't seen as the, the hard workers or whatever. And they're not putting in the hours and the time. But right. Man, the women have someone on their a baby on their back, back. a baby on the front. They're they're Pound selling at the market. Pool. They're pounding, <laughs> and I mean they're doing they're doing everything. And yeah, I, I think in, you see when traveling the world that women don't have the same role and all. And when we talk about the right. conservative role of the women and stuff, it's very different in many different parts. Right. And yeah, I just thought. If I want to take it easy and relax in life, I'm going back to Ghana, man. <laughs> you can just go lay in a hammock, and I'm like, Bench dude, yeah. how do you eat? <laughs> what, what, where do you get your clothes from? What do you do? Right, like, My right. wife's working hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if I would describe it, I will say they hold everything together, kind of. Back home, if mom is not around, yo, nothing works. Like <laughs> everything just falls apart, and that's so rightfully so. We do celebrate women very much highly than men in that sense so yeah cool do you think the korean guys can could work so hard if they didn't have the wife at home to to support them isn't it almost uh an equal balance the harder the harder the guys or they couldn't do that if their wife wasn't at home holding it down no they raising, couldn't raising work. kids they couldn't put all those hours in and and still have a family and but in, i find individual performance here is squashed and it's not it's not valued, so it doesn't push anyone to perform higher because there's no reward for it. You got to wait till you turn a year older before you can. Right. You know, the the right. prerequisite for your for your promotion is being a certain age. Or, yeah, right. In our company, no, it's individual performance. Even um, I have a friend there. He's 25. He's like a guardian. He's like a manager based hmm. on his performance. 
you know. Good. I have um I also know another person who was promoted within three months of joining the company. Mm. So it's just purely based it's on performance. Meritocracy. Yes, yeah. in that sense. So not good for old guys. Yeah. <laughs> Complacent old, old guys. guys really suffer. But hey, how come my boss is twenty three? <laughs> <laughs> this right. is Korea, don't you know? <laughs> but if someone I think it should be it should be meritocracy. To run it any other way would be crazy. If yeah. you're doing, if you're crushing, why not? Why shouldn't you be the man? I'm hundred percent agree. But mm. here we live in a place that is probably the polar opposite of that. Mm. In that, yeah, it's it doesn't happen like that. So, yeah, maybe this maybe this is the time that it starts really changing. Yeah, old guys stifling growth. <laughs> okay, we'll get back to some of that company and some of the yeah. the present stuff. Take take us back a little bit to Ghana. You said thirteen. Yes. At 13, you knew. So you were in Accra, and Dad brought you to high school. I'm guessing this is a private school somewhere? No, no, it's a public school. Um, was, second, did you, were you boarded or no? Yeah, boarded. I stayed in the boarding house. Pretty much it was in the center of the city, so I could go home at any time. Actually, yeah, yeah but I was in the boarding house. So why do you think, or how, how did you know, or why, at 13, how did you know that would be your last thing, or why did you... Yeah, that that was it. It's very interesting, because when I look back, I don't understand what drove my thought. Maybe it's just destiny, I would say. Because there was this energy that made me feel out of place. It's like, I couldn't understand anything. Mm. I couldn't... I, I felt like studying was a waste of time. I felt like it couldn't challenge me in a way that I could grow. I felt like I needed a new experience, that kind of thing. So I really, really... Um, I would describe my academic life in high school as like I didn't learn anything. I just accumulated <laughs> experience mm. and built relationships that were even that are still valuable today. Mm. You understand? But that's I mean? a crucial foundation. Exactly. I didn't learn nothing, to be honest. Even I remember my biology teacher showed up in class two times in four years. Your what? Your biology teacher showed up twice. Two times in four years. But but you learned you learned about life. You learned about right. responsibility. You learned about connections. You learned about teamwork. You learned right. you, you learned that's about what, that's what Elder High School is for. Right. That's much. A, much, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know. I I I learned many things, but I don't know what I remember today. <laughs> but but what what I did learn is what has provided the foundation to to take the next step. It's just a stepping stone, right? Exactly. But exactly. did you did you like being in a crowd? Did you see lots of foreigners or something that that intrigued you about the outside world, or or were you watching Western TV shows or something that made you think hmm. there's a different place than this that I don't? I, I'm more intrigued by that than by staying in this classroom or staying here. Uh, not really, Nate. Not really. They're all, they're very early. Should I say what Google experience I had was uh, I did intern in the U.S. Embassy when I graduated high school, not when I was in high school. But we did have a few visits from some U.S. colleges because my high school was one of the best in the country. So they just come and scout, you know, some talents and whatnot. But that didn't influence me in any way, to be honest, Nate. So should I say I had that feeling, that urge to move? And then after high school, I explored that. Mm. That would be a best description of what it. I never had any influence or whatnot, anything. Yeah. So how how would we fix that problem at home? This is too boring. I'm not learning anything. It's too easy. What would you do? For my kid? 
No, but I mean, how would our how would it be treated in our culture? Okay, oh, you're not oh, challenged. Oh. Okay, you skip a grade. Now you're challenged. All oh, right. This is still easy. Okay, you're a genius. Skip another grade. <laughs> Supplement. Challenge, but I, but it's not. Oh, I'm gonna go to some random Asian country. <laughs> like that's not how you deal with. It wasn't challenging enough. Okay, so they would give you, you'd put you in the genius stream or something, and and, and you would Ghana, feel challenged. Ghana, we, so one thing I learned when I got to Korea is that in Korea the culture values human resource. When I look at in history, the people they celebrate, they celebrate poets, they celebrate mm. politicians, great historian, knowledgeable people, mm. and even their caste system has the Yangban. Am I right? Yangban, the learned people, who right. were above the common people in that kind of in Ghana is the opposite who has the money is the one who has the respect and the casket dancers oh all right <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i'm saying this because we don't have any system that picks these genius students and utilize them the government just sits there and then foreign entities just come and plug them out and that's what happens all the time so I actually skipped two grades when I was in elementary school. Hmm. Still, it's just nothing interesting. This is an old system. But then did you go back two grades? Because you still graduated 17. <laughs> so I took I took a gap year, actually, a couple of gap years. In elementary school? Um, before high school and then... <laughs> Backpacking in Thailand. <laughs> just I, I've heard of the gap year between high school and uni, but not in elementary. In, Mama, before, can I take a gap year in grade three? <laughs> before I went to high school, I took a gap year because they said I was still young. I was about eleven. So hold on, what? Yeah, that's, <laughs> to go to high school. Yeah, so I had to wait until I was. I'm I'm interested in this <laughs> because um, I felt in in my life my biggest growth was after getting married when I took maybe six months off for work. Well, I worked here and there, but yeah, yeah. Um, very very minimal work for six months. It gave me uh, until then. It was school, 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 study, 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 right. work, 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 work. And for the first time in my life at twenty six, it was like. <gasps> Oh my God! And then you start imagining things or or seeing what's what's interesting to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you you watch a TED talk and then you you dive deeper into that and, and right. really find what you're interested in. What were you doing in your uh, in your gap year? Was that was that um was that a time of of personal growth and and development? Um, I was exploring the the meaningful gap year was the one after high school. No, oh, okay. I was um exploring. I had a, a little fallout with my dad because after high school, I got into medical school in Ghana at the age of 17. And then I knew that when I told him, he would make me go. So I didn't tell him. <laughs> and, then, and then the um, the enrollment deadline passed and he heard about it and the dude wanted to kill me. <laughs> so I had to move out of the house and live somewhere. And that's it. So at that time, I was left alone in this world, knowing that, hey, my dad is not, is against you in some way. So I had to begin to understand that, hey, what do you want to do? Because you made this decision, you have to do some something good out of it. Mm. Yeah, so that's when I did an internship at the US Embassy, just to meet different people, different um, high school students from Ghana, and then different people from the US, admission um, officers, and even I got to meet the ambassador sometimes. Mm. That kind of thing. So one of one thing too, living uh living here, you mentioned about you you made your decision and now you gotta kind of make it work, right? Yeah, right. And that's being here and having no um no family or or nothing to fall back on. Right. 
that's that's motivation in itself. Like, right. I don't want to go home with my tail between my legs. Like, <laughs> we just yeah. talked about it with Ashley last week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You want to, you really want to. Take uh, off the training wheels and, and get her going. Yeah, and it's it's really sink or swim once you, once you do but, something like that. But in a, in a, in a year off at 11, I mean, what? Well, you can't just, just run around the house all day. Like, who I takes... just did a home and did business with my dad, pretty much. <laughs> See, but that, I mean, it's crazy to think that, that a mom here goes bananas if their kid misses one day of Hogwarts yeah. or CDIs open on Christmas. Right. Kids got to go do their, their tests on Christmas. Like, <laughs> that that's insane. You took a whole year off and are, I would say, more successful than 99.9%. It is, it is insane from our perspective. <laughs> But being Korean and and coming through the evolution and the development of Korea, how it has Mm. and how it evolved within however many years to from a third world to a first world nation, Mm -hmm. it's not. This is how they got here. They they worked their asses off for how many years with no vacation, no break, no Mm -hmm. anything. And then that just transferred into education. And now that's how they they perceive their education. Mm -hmm. And now it's going to start changing again where education is going to take less of a focus and it's going to become other things i but think a gap year would do a lot of people good here to be honest <laughs> i think everywhere yeah. in the, i think everywhere in the world um what what was the I, I was i used to compare the korean military service right and when they ask you what do you think about the korean mil- mandatory military service it, it used to be it used to be two and a half years two and a half mm-hmm. and now it's down to 18 months or something but i thought for a lot of these guys i think it's what a what a waste! I used to think what a waste of time, but for the Korean guys who've only known school, I think it's a great experience yeah. and it's a time to 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 grow and, and mature. But yeah. what I liked more was because when I traveled lots, you know, Israel Israel has it. When I was in Myanmar, um, they have the mandatory. Uh, you have to I don't I forget what it's called, but you have to try and become a Buddhist monk at least wow. twice in your life. Once in elementary school, once in high school. Wow. So all the girls, all the boys, heads shaved at least twice in your life. And the one in elementary school is kind of like a, a retreat maybe for like a week or something. Mm-hmm. But when you get to high school, you have to do it for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. And and I thought, okay, that that's that might be enlightening. That might, you know, change right. a lot of people's lives. Right. But the Ger- and I don't know if the German system is still like it, but they didn't they changed their military service, I believe, into after World War II. In, in, <laughs> into into a volunteer system yeah. where you have to volunteer for at least one year. In, in a social service area, either help, helping the elderly or, or handicaps or in a school or whatever. And I thought, what a what an awesome system that right. if you said after high school, everybody's got to volunteer for a year. You can choose where you want to volunteer, but you have to volunteer for a year mm-hmm. in these 100 different areas. Mm. And, you know, you're not making money. You're giving back. It right. creates a very healthy society. It connects people. Um and and it probably opens a lot of people's eyes as to what they really want to do or where they want to go in life. And so, yeah, in many countries, we think mandatory military is crazy now, right? It's 2020. We don't need mandatory. But in Korea, I think it's still so good for these young men to see that there's something other than just studying in school. Right. right. So, yeah, man. That's it. I mean, growing up working part-time jobs, that's your, your view into the, into the real world. The you, real world yeah. You're seeing, you're seeing adults working and, you know, you're working side by side with them. And a lot of those soft skills, I don't know, people, yeah, right. people skills and whatnot, you got to develop, and, yeah. you got to develop that, man. That's and, an important And that's a, a typical small city, big city comparison that, uh, the big city people have their nose, they're stuck up there the, because 
they don't. They don't get out. Everything's there. They don't get out. They don't see that. And if when when we say, "Oh, I'm from Northern Ontario," but I mean, we're not even can they don't even consider us Ontario. But we would say, "Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're from Toronto. Okay, fine. I get it. I know what you're like, and this is you." But I'm not like that because I'm not that not privileged. But I just I'm not around that much. Right. So we have to kind of mix and move and shake to get our experiences. Otherwise, we're going to be you know mm. so traditional. We don't we're not. Uh, effective in society so yeah I think that stereotype of oh you're from Paris oh you're from me because those those people have you know a certain style or a certain way of living and you have to get out how many people from Seoul like the foreigners that live in Seoul (laughs) never been never been outside of Seoul in the area and I mean I'm saying that lightly but everyone in in Ulsan has been to Seoul right and everyone in Ulsan has been all over the country but so Ulsan, where's that? <laughs> Come on, really? Ulsan's a big city, man. Well, basically, yeah. yeah. Getting getting out and having that having that freedom definitely does uh, lead to uh, lead to growth. Again, for being able to fall back on your family and right. having that support system. When your dad was dropping you off at high school at thirteen, <laughs> was that kind of your first feeling of like, oh shit, I'm even though you were still in the city, right. that first feeling of like, I'm kind of by myself. Like I gotta. Did yeah. you did you have that feeling of like disconnectedness to the to the family or did you still feel Not like really. I can just go home whenever I want? Not really. How do we call this? Uh, my family was pretty blended. Called it a blended family. So I didn't have you got a gay uncle on the bed. No. <laughs> <laughs> I had one crazy uncle. I would say that, but uh, I had a stepmom and you know all that and causing a lot of problems. So I didn't feel anything really. To be honest, well, yeah. Hold I, on, I got a question. <laughs> what is a blended family? Like, <laughs> he's got a white aunt. <laughs> <laughs> a blended family is, you know, um, you know, you have a family, but you are not of the same blood, kind of thing. And uh, so I was living with my brother. He's my same mom, same dad, mm. and then uh, four step siblings, and then two cousins from a dead uncle that my father took on of himself. Oh, so wow. It's a huge family, it's but like we are not. Pretty much. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, pretty cool. But that's, I mean, that <coughs> what a, what a, a good, I mean, I had my brother to play with growing up, and sometimes you go meet your cousins, but that must have been an interesting household. Very so. amazing. Not, yeah. Never a dull moment. So, yeah. so when, when he asked that question, I thought you are going to say no. It, it wasn't that moment. Because for me, I mean, when we think of independence and how much more mature Western children are than than Korean children. Yeah. And, and you know, like, like we're making lemonade stands, cutting grass, shoveling mm-hmm. snow, have our own money, buying our own stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, within reason, Dad says, if you want hockey skates, save your money. Mm-hmm. If you want new basketball shoes, I, I can't buy it for five kids. So if you want it, save your money. Right. And we think that we're so much more independent and, and grown up than the, the Korean kids. Yeah. But... We're nothing compared to the Ghanaian kids. And again, it's <laughs> going to be different in the big city. But yeah. but look at all my pictures from there. How many pictures I have of six and seven-year-old kids right. carrying their baby sister, one-year-old, right. six-month-old, three-month-old baby sister on their back because mom's working. Right, 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 right. And, and, and they're walking around in their underwear. And I mean, I, okay, I was in the, in the far west. But <laughs> they're walking around in their underwear. And they got their kid on the back. Like, they got their baby sister on their back that's six months old. Right. And they know exactly how to change the diaper, whatever, the cloth diapers or whatever yeah, they yeah. use. 
they're seven years old and they're like a mother already. Right, right. So, yeah, so yeah. dropping off at it for me, if, when I think of that question, I think he got dropped out of school. He was probably like a grown man by a kind of. So we are really taught like basic skill, cooking, cleaning, all those things. By three, four, you shouldn't get your stuff together. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> mommy, exactly. Mommy should be able to leave you at home and you wouldn't kill yourself. You yeah, know, whatever. Yeah. At three, four. They're going to burn five, the Yeah, that kind of thing. So, yeah. I could take care of myself. I just needed money and food and I'm good. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Dad, oh. I need 50 bucks today. <laughs> we're, so, we're so coddled at home and you can't... Uh... But this, So this is what I said. The perspective of me looking, <laughs> reflecting on kids in my country compared to Korea or Western children compared yeah. to here... But then going there is a whole nother level thing. And how so, come how come kids at home don't know how to cook at four years old, and they're worried about burning themselves or burning the house down? No, that's not a that's not a problem here. I mean, every kid knows how to do it. I mean, right? mean grilled cheese at thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I can say that um, right after high school, I didn't have to depend on my parents anymore. That's oh, that's a yeah. That man, that was uh, after university for me. That was like a. Oh no, I don't have my dad's benefit package anymore. Like there's no <laughs> there's no dental package and shit. Yeah. And it was like, whoa, this is the first feeling. Same like right. whoa, I gotta start doing this by myself. And and okay, you went to the best school, so dad was a business guy. But most of the country doesn't have that anyways, right? There is yeah. no dental package for no, most no, of no, 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 no. When we when we used to go to the market, the guy used to do dental repairs on the side of the street. Oh. And, and he would do them and he would do them on the side of the road going into the market. He, he could fix you up, whatever. Just tell him where it hurts, and he'll fix you up. Wow. Fix your shoes. And, and he, he, would do it, he would do it on the side of the road. Oh. Um, but it just depends where, what part of the country, city, world that you live in. Right, right. Dude, give right. us some family stories. This sounds like a, like a wicked... Blended family. Yeah. Uh, Is that typical? No. Not strange, but not typical. Hmm. Um, we value family, so most families stick together. My, my parents separated when I was barely a baby, like four months. Right. Yeah, so I live with my dad and he told me a funny you know, two years he apologized to me that bro I almost killed you. Because <laughs> when you were about four months old, you were crying so much so I gave you beer <laughs> and you pass out. Yeah. <laughs> the big star started yeah. early. Yeah. <laughs> so Good thing it me... wasn't appetizing. No, it wasn't it was just beer. So he got me really sick and like the government wanted to take separate us, that kind of thing. So he apologized to me. I was like, I don't even remember, so whatever. That's that like bra- that's like Brave New World. You know the yeah. book? They they dump a little alcohol and that kid comes out to be the to be the king, man. That's awesome. Yeah, so uh with my family, my dad remarried. Um I don't remember when. Uh, but uh it wasn't great to live with my stepmom and then I had my brother, he was fantastic. He was he was like the rock. Dwayne Johnson? <laughs> no, <laughs> she body slamming it. I could. He was one of the people growing up. I depended on emotionally mm. a lot because he was the uh, he was kind of like the black sheep of the family to be honest. But he actually held everything together because I was the loose cannon. You know, <laughs> I was the loose. Cannon. You seem like the composed one. I don't know. Actually, no. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I was the loose cannon. So that big was, star had a lasting effect. I get, yeah, yeah, it's all my dad's fault. So he would come to the, hey, Renee, it's going to be good. Don't worry about it. Let, let it have it, that kind of thing. So he he kept us calm. We had um, four siblings. They were demons. <laughs> Jesus. So it's more of like a Cinderella kind of story, you know, yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. But after high school, everything changed. 
dramatically. I don't know why, but uh, I think that my my family background really toughened me up at a very early stage. And isn't isn't that what it does? Like, I think if you look at a lot of successful people, you'll find they've had some major hardships that have really formed and and right. become that driving force behind why they're so successful because they've had some major hardships. Right, right. But uh, with my experience, I'm really grateful to God because it could have gone anyway. You know what I mean? Mm. And I'm the kind of person, when I set my mind to something, uh, it's very hard to bring me back. Mm. So for me to, I remember that turning moment, I was about seven, eight. Something happened, I was so traumatized, and I went under my bed, and I cried for like an hour. And mm. that's when I told myself, that's it. It's me against the wall. That kind of thing. That Sorry. was, yeah, I'm never going to let anybody see me cry ever again. Wow. And I'm going to, yeah, so I had that crazy, and that's the last time I've cried. <laughs> to be honest, wow. I'm not saying that I'm not crying. I mean, I wear my emotions on my sleeve mm. and whatnot, but I at that time I felt like crying was like weakness in that sense. So wow, I had to toughen up. And toughen up, take life by its balls. Yeah, all <laughs> right. No doubt. That kind of thing. So I think <laughs> that's when I started thinking about these crazy things. And probably <laughs> now I'm now reflecting on everything and it's coming back to me because I never felt like I had a place in my family. So maybe that's what started everything mm. for me to start exploring outside my, my sphere of contact, that kind of thing. That's good. I think know. like like you said, you only know the society that you're brought up in, but right. I think that's why I, I really value travel so much to see other ways, other perspectives, other other cultures. Because then you're you're grateful and you're humble and you're you appreciate right. what you have and what you I, I'm I'm really lucky that I was born where I was born and raised how I was raised. But man, I envy like you know I, I said that I think when Jess was here that the perception of Africans still still in in at least in Canada America probably is not one of positivity and and success and whatever, but. Well, I was on the Ivorian border, mm. and every kid there, and you, I, you said you haven't been to Kumasi, so I don't know if you've been there either, but every kid could speak French. Mm-hmm. And they spoke French, English, Ebe, tu, or not Ebe, Tui, yeah. and Enzima. Yeah. And I was like, these are, they're telling me that the Africans don't have money, they don't have this, they're all starving, they have AIDS. This is the perception that we get on TV or the stereotypes. And here I am. This kid's eight years old and speaks four languages, uh-uh. no problem. <laughs> and I'm like, who who are we kidding here? I right. studied French for six years and probably can't make a See, and then we get these guys and <laughs> <laughs> But but this I mean like I, I yeah, I like you say, it hardens you. Yeah, and, it and really then toughens you up. And you know what's important in life. Right. You know, and it's not just being coddled, it's just the the grandioseness of being raised in the West where you have everything and you see everything and have right. access not everybody but you but you can see everything yeah. so you can dream that dream if you want you can do that if you want but but at the same time like are you gonna think about raising think about raising your kids you want to provide them with like the most comfortable Good thing question. and that's the that's the hard part for us because we know i know it's the my parents separating i know it's the the, the oh, such hard work man from high school until yeah. Still, uh, until now, um, I I know that's what's made me who um, who I am, the interviewer on this podcast. <laughs> but you know, without those hardships, in the the irony is like growing up, I want to provide my kids with with 
everything. And I don't want them to have those. I don't want to be. It's one thing to provide them with everything, but do they have an understanding? Right. Because I think, and this is why I've traveled so much with my kids that, and, and same with doing we hope Gina, it melts in my heart. She says like, and she does it probably once every three or four months. And she says, daddy, we don't play with this toy anymore. Can we give it to the kids who don't have any toys? And and that's that the orphanage that she knows. Right. And when it's Christmas time, she'll say, "Can we make some boxes and bring and bring it to the kids that don't have any parents?" And I think it's that understanding that if you don't, it's one thing to give them everything, mm. but if you don't have exposed experiences to these things, they have no idea. Right. When we go to the Philippines, when we're in Shanghai, when we're in these places, then I mean, she's still young and and Lena too. But I hope that they can remember these, and I hope we can keep traveling so that they can understand that this is not, this is just how we live, but it's not how everyone lives and everyone values different things. And you're extremely lucky to be in the right. position you're in. And don't forget it, that you've got to remember everyone else and how they live. Right. And that I hope it inspires her to try and bring the other people up. Right. Because if you don't, and you, you have everything, like you say, but you don't have the perspective or the experience or understanding then you're just another one of the the Western <laughs> e- elite, right? Like, you know, back home we have this. It's a back home. I think it's in the black community, like white people problem. You know, it's just yeah. laughing at <laughs> um, white people, or in in other words, privileged people who complain about very basic stuff. <laughs> oh my God, my vacation is in Hawaii. Like, <laughs> <laughs> first you know first I mean? world. It's always online. It's first world problems. Oh yeah. Right? Oh, for first world problems. And that's why I think the you got to travel. Reach my bedroom. <laughs> I know, right? You got to travel to get perspective. <laughs> exactly. And when exactly. you see the kids carrying the water, that's not a joke. Carrying the water a hundred oh, meters, five hundred meters. I used to do that, and I think that's why I'm sharp because I was gravity. <laughs> <laughs> I used to carry like huge pans and gallons of water just for somebody to just waste it. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, yeah, it was, yeah, it was tough. It was tough, but, yeah. I remember driving, uh, taking one of the, what is it called? Tuk Tuk? Not there. Tuk Tuk. No, what's it? Tro Tro. Tro Tro. Is it the minibus thing? No, the, the motor, the whatever. Scoot, no, tax, the little scooter taxi or whatever. Yeah. There was such a, we were on our way back to the airport, and we were in one, and in front of us was another Korean family, and there was right. just a, a kid, a little bit, a little bit round on a phone. You know, he's, oh, he's just looking at the phone and it was such a funny, like it was perfect timing. Cause I could see in my field of view, I could see this, you know, over, overweight kid, just enjoying, <laughs> enjoying his phone. And just over here, as we were passing, it was like, uh, we we're going over a bridge. So there's water running, mm-hmm. water running underneath it. And there was these two long pieces of bamboo stretched right, across. Right, right. There were these two Filipino kids, like. I don't even know how they almost look like Spider-Man. They were like oh. climbing along it, but they must have been six or seven years old and just like in such shape. And I went like, "Wow, the the Korean kids probably yeah. really feel like, oh, we're uh, we're we're doing so much better. Look yeah, at those yeah. poor kids. And the other like little Spider-Man kids cruising along the uh, cruising along these bamboo sticks, like totally in shape. Like right, it was right. pretty. Uh, it was interesting to to see the <laughs> on uh, the contrast. The contrast yeah. on our last trip. Uh, we were both went to where Boracay last right before the Corona, mm-hmm. and and we had gone with my wife's one of my wife's good friends. Mm-hmm. But my wife's good friend lives in the Lotte Kingdom Castle kind of type, typical Korean Ajima with the handbags and everything else. Mm-hmm. 
And and we got there at like part of going is because it's cheap, but getting cheap means you arrive at one in the morning. And the airport is like an outdoor shed. I mean, it's not it's right. not like oh, so God. it was pouring rain. The hotel's only like a kilometer and a half away. I would walk. With six bags, I would walk mm. if I had to. Not a big deal. But anyways, it was pouring rain. And she didn't understand. My wife says, just let Nate do everything. He He's a pro at this. He's done it for years. Just let him do it. And she's like, why don't we just take a taxi? And I was like, because you'll pay $20 for what should cost 20 cents. And you keep driving up the prices so that travel becomes unaffordable for others. Right, right. So she's watching me haggle, haggle, haggle. We get in these... Tuk-tuks, whatever, the mini motorcycles. Tricycles. Tricycles. And and it's pouring rain, and the guy flips down like a piece of cellophane as the windshield. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, holy shit, man, this is awesome. And she's jammed in the back with her kid and her husband and a a couple of bags and holding on for dear life. And we got there. They were drunk. I asked for a discount. These guys were drunk. But The drivers? Yes. The tricycle drivers. It's like a, it's not a dirt road, but I mean, it's one in the morning. There's no cars. We might die going off the road or hitting a cow. You're right. But I mean, it's (laughs) it's minimal danger. And there's no other option to get there other than paying absorbent amounts of money that would equate to like three days of our trip. (laughs) 20 bucks. What did he just say? Exorbitant. All right. No, but, but hold on though. But 20 bucks is, it's, it's all in, it's all in, uh. It's all in relation to where to where you are. I mean, twenty dollars is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Right. That's like two months' salary for the guy. Yeah. Would you ever pay someone two months' salary to drive you a kilometer? Never. No. <laughs> so yeah, it's perspective. Right. So we got there, and she was like, "Oh my god, that was the craziest thing in my whole life." Are you kidding? Me? And Gina's like, "That's awesome. Let's do it again. This is what we do every time we come here." <laughs> and but this sheltered emo is is you know right. Oh, my heart's still going. And I was like, oh but this God. is just how it is. And and yeah. now if she went on her own with her husband and her kid, they would have taken the Aircon van. Mm. They would have paid out the yin-yang for it. Mm. And and it never would have registered for them. They ne- would never have that experience. Right. So <laughs> an- another one on quick on perspective is my father was the chief of the Canadian Grand Commission. Okay. So he was he was fairly high up there. And he used to travel quite a bit, Europe and, and parts of Asia. But... When he came to Ghana, and he's never told me, Big G, send me a message and tell me. I want to hear it. I'm sure that changed his life. It, it has to. Anybody going to Africa the first time, it has to change your life. <laughs> but seeing my dad stuck in a trotro, we, we would buy extra seats. We would buy extra seats because we were so big. <laughs> and, and first of all, they're like, why are the kings riding in the trotro? Because <laughs> we were so big. But we're jammed in the back. With people, chickens, goats, whatever. <laughs> and this is a, a government employee who's on his phone and his, his yeah. thing all day long, every day. Every day, the office, all day. Wow. And and him going there and drinking Big Star, one liter Big Star beers for 25 cents for breakfast because it was already 45 degrees. And I'm going, I got to take some pictures and set. It's too bad there was no Instagram or Facebook then because he probably would have got fired. But I was like, look at the boss now having beers for breakfast. And look at him jammed in like a sardine in this trocho riding down the highway. And I mean, I'm sure it it changed him for the good forever because he'd never seen that kind of life before. And I loved it. I fed off it. I, I That's why that drives my adventure, my travel. It, it It's so cool to see the cultures and places. Do you think, how old was your dad when he went? Mm, would have been 2000 
52. He's born in 50, so 52. Do you think it's ever too late to to start traveling? Never. Get on it as soon as you can. Yeah. Never. Not at all. Absolutely not. I mean, think of our parents coming here. Another enlightening experience. Yeah. Them coming here. Mm. All of my family. When Gino came and we're sitting in the park having a beer, just reflecting on an, on a on a sunny afternoon, and he's like, "But you don't work." Eight hours a day, every day, and, and you know, it's two o'clock, let's have a beer in the park. I don't, this is how we live, man. This is how yeah. it goes here. But, no. I mean, think of your buddies who've come and how, holy shit, this place is crazy. Or so, it, was, it was back then. Yeah. Okay. Take so, you, you, end, you went from the embassy. How did you end up here? Yeah. So, because they were scouting for the, from the States. Yeah, yeah. I actually had a couple of offers from the States, but... Um, I had to pay about 19, 19k dollars extra. I, I had a couple of scholarships, but it was just not the end. The living costs and everything. And at that time, I was by myself because I had a fallout with my dad earlier. So I had to make the money. So getting a, a full scholarship from Eunice was like my way out. You know what I mean? So I, I, I had a call from my friend, high school friend, Joseph. He was, he came to Eunice earlier. He was like, hey, bro, like, just check it out. And I was like, Korea? Mm. Korea? What are mm. you talking about? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. He asked me, I, I missed the first day. I took it, I just put in the application, whatever. And it came in and it got, it got through. I still decided not to come. But at the end of the day, I needed the money. So I came. And that was the best decision in my life, to be honest. Awesome. Huh? Yeah. Did you, where did other guys that you went to school, I mean, apart from the money, was Korea the only, or Eunice the only place that offered you a, a full... Right, right. Korea was the only place. In the U.S., um, I had a full tuition, but I had to pay living costs. Right. That kind of thing. That's always the case, right? Yeah. <laughs> Even guys from Canada going on hockey scholarships and stuff, you get a hockey scholar, scholar you get whatever, but it still costs you 10, 15, 20 right. grand a year, oh, right. which is, in Canada, I, I don't know what it is now, but I mean, uni only costed, you know, three, four, five grand a year to go right. in Canada. So... I'm on a full hockey scholarship, but I gotta still pay ten grand. <laughs> yeah, and in Ghana, like for every dollar you have to work five. So you have to work what? Five times. Right. So nineteen thousand dollars times five. Then yeah, that was a lot of money. I didn't mm. have it. Right. Close to hundred k a month. Though. That's wild. So you came here because financially it was it was the, the best, best decision. decision. Yeah, but in in retrospect, that was the best decision to ever make because. Um, we understood this, but graduating um college with no debt is one of the biggest things you can have in your life. You know what I mean? Oh. I I did graduate college with no debt, and I'm so grateful for it. Absolutely. And there's not many people that can say that these days. Exactly. I see so many foreign English teachers come here just to work and pay off debt. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I'm very grateful for that. I think it's one of the best decisions I made. With my experience, what I've learned, the opportunities I got here, mm. definitely. It's not Hollywood, but yeah. And and one of the I think one of the biggest ones was you becoming the Unist student president. No, I don't know the exact <laughs> the exact title. What yeah. made you uh what made you want to apply for that? Actually, um I was how do I describe it? I was the guy in the shadows, really. Um, I think Nate will testify. Even Smarty. among the Smarty was running the show. Yeah, Smarty. Um, we had very big personalities in the Ghanaian community, you know? <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> that kind of thing. But um, I had a friend, a Vietnamese friend. She was a girl. She wanted to run, 
And then I was like, yo, a girl, that would be the first president. I, I truly support you. You should go for it. And then you remembered what your dad said, like, don't let these ladies take a shit. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I support him, but I'm not going to marry him, right? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, so I, I was full. So we used to plan together and whatnot. Mm. And then one day she came to me. She was like, yo. She's not going to run anymore. She was crying and gushing and whatnot. I was like, hey, what's going on? And she was like, um, the old president had his own favorite candidate at that time. So it's something we're planning. Around. And they were literally changing the rules and, and intimidating everybody, that kind of thing. No. So what the guy told him was like, oh, you're Vietnamese and the Vietnamese community is very small. So nobody's going to vote for you. There, there would have only been maybe... I would say less than 10 students exactly. from Vietnam. At that time. Yeah. So when she told me that, I mean, he used a different word. I'm not going to defame him yeah, or yeah. anything, but to put it very politely. And I was like, what? So I began to say, who are these people who think they can do whatever they want? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when it started. Nice. Because like, it really, <laughs> it really pushed me the wrong way. So I started asking and then... I asked the, so the first thing I asked the president, where is the constitution? And he was like, constitution, what is that? And I was like, <laughs> Where's what? the constitution? <laughs> I was like, what? Who's this how, guy? How are you guys operating this whole system with no constitution? Mm. So apparently, there was a constitution um, way back in 2012, 2013. Yeah. That was just dumped somewhere. Nobody huh. cared. And then the presidents would just do whatever they want. Huh. Just like oh no oh hell no yeah. I'm not gonna sit there for somebody to feel so entitled like that kind of thing so that's what drove me and I wasn't really popular I would say that I got a little bit of fame because I was black I was the only black dude in the whole year group at that time so everyone was like who is that guy you know mm -hmm. that kind of I had that little thing going for me what year did you come 2015 in the fall so I was the only so there guy. was already seven or eight guys here. Ah, so you're yeah, part yeah. of like the second cohort of of Ghanaian. There's a couple. Yeah. There's a couple each no, year. No, there's a couple. Most at that time, some of them had graduated. Some of them were seniors. Oh, really? Yeah, kind of oh, thing. Cool. yeah. Usually, the elections, the freshmen, sophomores, they are the ones interested in those things. Oh, okay, okay. Juniors, afterwards, nobody cares. Mm. That kind of thing. Well, they start in the laboratory. They're busy. Yeah. They don't really it. have time for all that. Exactly. So, that's when I started looking into it, and then I spoke to them and they were like. Hey, so it was at that time the candidate I ran against, the general consensus was like he was the next president. Yeah, yeah. Nobody thought like somebody. So, <laughs> and that year, to be honest, that was 2016. Mm. It was a weird election year because that's the year Trump. Yeah, I was won. just going to say, you're, then, the, <laughs> you're the Eunice Trump, is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's always got a shot. I huh? know, right? So, I, I just, I just. So, um, in Eunice, we have the Central Asian students, they were the majority. But truthfully, it's not true. I took, I got the list of international students. And yes, on paper, they take the largest share. But cumulatively, the minority groups, what we do come together, we mm. are the largest share. Mm. So I was like, okay, that's the math. Validates everything. Really? Yep. Wow. Yep. So what do you think about the graduate school and all that? Ah, okay. Right. Yeah. Because in, in undergrads, the, the Kazakhs and I believe the Uzbeks used to be Huge, huge, huge numbers mm, yeah. compared to other other exactly. nations. So my strategy was to engage these groups, and then they had already given up. Mm. You know, they're like, "Oh yeah, these Kazakhs are gonna be presidents or whatever," because they're gonna vote for their friends. Mm. So my strategy was to bring the little groups together to take a stance against that 
I'll throw you two. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a difference. Yeah. You, you had a strategy. It wasn't just a popularity oh, no, vote based wasn't. on, hey guys, I'm from here and so are you, so I'm the best for you. Even the Ghanias were shocked. You took it a little more serious than... Yeah. They were literally, they were like, this guy is just gonna... And to be honest, I didn't run because I wanted to be president. I, I <laughs> was running because I, didn't I, hated, want the other guy. I hated the idea that these people could take power and do whatever they want. That was what really drove me. But on the flip side, if I did get the job, I would do my best. That was my <laughs> mind. But my mindset was to take a stand, you know, nice. against that kind of thing. So yeah, that's what drove me to do that. And surprisingly, I was. I surprised myself. What is your uh, What's your biggest takeaway from from being the president? From being the president, um, before I'll, I'll go there, I would say that a couple of guys, a couple of my friends, were so wonderful mm. to even help me get there. And throughout my stay as president, they were amazing. Talking about Louis, do you know Louis, the Vietnamese girl? Yeah. Elfan, Pamu, those girls. Oh, God. They were, they did what they did because they personally loved me. Let me just put it that way. Mm. And it was crazy. And I didn't even do anything to deserve that. So, But I, but I think this is a Ghanaian trait. The Ghanaian people are so welcoming and open and friendly and... Yeah always the big smile and so approachable and i think it's just a huge and every country says oh these people are so nice or the best in the world but and, and i'm probably also biased because i live there but man coming from where i come from where people have everything like we talked about before yeah. and going there where there wasn't people that had everything but the best most happiest people that i've ever been around <laughs> and, and and that just that feeling that you can connect right, as right. a person, you can connect. And I think right. that's what you guys bring to the table. Jesh is the same. And that's how you can attract a lot of people. You're right. so approachable. And and I, I just want to say, I remember that election and thinking that this guy thinks this is like a, a real president election or something. Like he's, <laughs> he's so serious. The other guys are jokes. If it was based on who's running the best campaign, he would win. Mm. But there's a lot of Kazakhs here. I don't know if he can defeat those guys. <laughs> but he's way too serious. Like, this isn't how this election's run the last right, yeah. four years. It was just kind of like, who's popular and who has the most country made. so dramatic. Mm. So, so dramatic. I remember seeing him going, this guy's like the real deal. He thinks, <laughs> he's taking, which, which it should be. Yeah. I think of student councils at home, the president of University of Manitoba ended up being an MLA and, and getting into... Uh, or, or sorry, a member of parliament and ended up running for for uh, the whole province. Right. And and it should be serious, but it wasn't. It wasn't. And, and I think you remade it that. I don't know what it's like now, but it's regressed. Back. Yeah, yeah regressed back to... But um, my greatest takeaway, like you mentioned, I took it too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> to nothing, nothing wrong with that. Why do something half-assed? That, yeah. is, that is my MO. You remember earlier, when I set my mind to something, it's, it's, it's so bad. So bad that I didn't take care of myself. I got so sick, stayed in the hospital for a week. No food, no water. I didn't even know what's wrong with me because the careers couldn't tell me. Mm. <laughs> but like at, on the on the hospital bed, I was I that's when I began to ask, why am I doing this? Because the people I'm actually serving didn't care. Mm-hmm. Once you didn't get them the free pizza and free coke, they don't care. They mm. think you're a crazy president. Mm. That kind of thing. So I took it way too seriously. So when I got into office, the first thing I did, I set up a committee. We reviewed the constitution and then we enforced it. (laughs) (laughs) You're laughing? We enforced it. There were so many issues on the ground. And at that time, 
the international student scholarship was up in the air. The school wanted to cancel it mm. in that time. So I had to step in and then our budget was hadn't increased for over like three, four years. Mm. Whilst international student numbers were going up. So like the budgets were tight, but the presidents, this is how they solved it. They are like, oh, we are just gonna save the money and do a big party at the end of the year so that everybody thinks I was the good president. Yeah. And and then their budget <laughs> issue is the next president's problem. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So the system was just so and then the office people used to sleep there as a dormitory and all that people kids used to have sex over there and all that. All some crazy stuff. It was dirt it was like a brothel. Yeah. Man, I could show you a picture when I renovated the place. It was that crazy. That shocked me when we went for dinner there a, oh, you a while back and you told me that. No, when you told me that a while back when we were at dinner. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. How about this? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, <laughs> what I used to do, every week I changed the code to the office. Oh. And people were mad at me, like, why don't you allow us to do that stuff there? And I'm like, yo, it's an office. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's my office. My office. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, it, I took it way too seriously. Because the dorms have very strict rules. Right. right. The, and, I mean... It's in the middle of nowhere. There's there's not a lot to do around there. Right, right. I understand. Another, but... but just for people who, who think, I mean, you think of college life back home, I mean, <laughs> that's par for the course. Or, or you have a million options, but but there's not a lot of options out right, there. Right, right, right. And, and whatever, someone saw it as an opportunity. So. And, and to be fair, the Korean um, student clubs, they also have little offices. They do their stuff there. Mm. So <laughs> I wouldn't say the international students are like dirty no. or something. Mm. Like, it was just what it is, and that kind of thing. So, but if if someone did get in trouble for doing that, I mean, the blame or the the problem is going to come back to you. Come back that, to me. So one day, else. funny you mentioned that because one day I I got a call from the dorm <laughs> office, and then there were like CCTV um, videos of um, students sneaking girls into their their dorms. Like actually, it was girls sneaking their boyfriends, and it's so funny. Like, if you're gonna do it, do it well. You know, wear some wig, wear hoodies, something <laughs> crazy. Like, make some fake boobs or something. <laughs> they just walk in straight out into the girls' dorms, you know. <laughs> and then the dorm officer like, do you know this guy? And I, and I have to protect them. Sorry, it's bad leadership, but I had to protect them mm. because if I get them out, I'm the you know snitch president and blah blah. blah. Yeah. I have to protect, and then I will message these guys like guys i saw you please don't do that again and next thing yeah they did it again <laughs> jesher you're the only guy with 27 inch <laughs> 27 inch biceps <laughs> i know right so yeah it was it was uh it was a hellhole you know place to be i i also i was handling the model united nations um team and then we yo we organized our first conference it was so much work so my body broke down. Mm. And then I had so much anxiety. I Every time ah. I slept, I felt like I'm not doing something. Oh, man. I, you I know what I mean? Yeah. So <laughs> much anxiety. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't. I was always thinking about what next to do for mm. these people who don't, probably don't care. So yeah. do you envy the Korean work style there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, but yeah. That, I, you've come... You've come a, a, from that now do you think it's good that you did push your body that far and now you know kind of your limits i feel that that wasn't my limit to be honest yeah <laughs> that wasn't my limit in, in the hospital because it wasn't my limit oh, okay. that that what that experience taught me was like i i cannot take one part of my life 
and mm. push and leave the rest behind. Mm. So as much as I'm trying to engage in so many things, my health, my happiness, um, my relationships and everything, I have to take everything along. They're all interconnected. Exactly. You got to balance. Yes. Yeah, so, that's what I said when I sent you the message. I said, how's work going? Blah, blah, blah. I said, uh, work-life balance, man. It's the most important <laughs> thing. It's the most important thing. You so, got to have balance. Yeah. So even now that I'm working, I do take care of myself. I do go out, have some fun, blow up some steam and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Any any advice you'd have for future? What is, is it? Weasel? UISO. UISO. Yeah. Oh, U.S. So, anyone aspiring or anyone who might consider to to be a student council president somewhere and anywhere? Anywhere. Um, Eunice first, especially because Eunice is a special case. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think it must oh, yeah. be similar to other places like Keist or some of their schools where. No, I, I really doubt that. The culture was very strange, very strange. So, just a little um story. It is this bad. So at that time, I told you the scholarship was in the air. The school wanted to cancel it because the goal of that scholarship was actually to attract international students. Mm. But now they have enough, right? So they were like, let's just cancel it. Just just give them the free tuition, no stipends. Mm. And I was like, you're gonna cripple so many people with this. So we kept negotiation. They were like, okay, we are going to do half money, half food. And I was like, you're dealing with Muslims. They have special dietary needs. Why don't you just give them the money so that they are responsible for what they eat? Right. If you try to provide food for them and there's a little mistake, a religious thing is a crazy thing. We have crazy people who do crazy stuff for their God. Mm. You know what I mean? The school was so I so the last straw was like okay let's hold a town council style meeting every student to come let's just hear what they have to say so they were like okay good if the general consensus is we want the money we will we will accept that so I put up the post everybody please come it's very important the future of international students are on the line show up and let's talk about it in the comments is the free pizza. <laughs> you make sure the pizza is halal what and i was like no pizza so actually i was given money to provide pizza i got so pissed i was like no pizza i'm not gonna provide pizza. Uh-huh. if these guys don't think this is important then no scholarship then you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah so jokes on me i called the meeting i had the academic dean the <laughs> unit's vice president was there two students showed up Oh. Two out of four hundred, and the two I was one of the two. <laughs> oh no! So I was so embarrassed. I was so hard, and I told him that I'm so sorry. I did my job. Do whatever you want, whatever you think is right, because these people don't even care. Yeah. Mm. And the funny thing is that there was an event at um, English Commons where they were having the free food, and everybody was there having a fun time. Yeah. So recently, I saw a guy post um a, a food a meal on um UI so saying that dry oh as the Sahara God. Desert, and I was like, "Word, it's dry, yeah. <laughs> it's dry now." You know what I mean? So it's so sad. It's so sad oh. that so the little advice I'll give to you, know know your people, give them their food. Yeah. <laughs> you know that kind of thing. But um, I will say that a president who will be able to change the culture will be the most successful president in UISO history, I would say. And every president, um, wherever, any um, student, I would say student because, I mean, big politics is different, but if you don't care, don't do it. 
You know what I mean? If you legit doing, if you are doing it for your resume or whatever, don't do it. It's gonna kill. It's not worth it to be honest. And then just use that opportunity to develop yourself because um, it's serious, but it ain't that serious. It is opportunity where you can make an impact in that society and also develop yourself because at that time you're young and you are learning you're not perfect mm. so it's a more take it as a learning experience rather than you know too serious like i did yeah, <laughs> yeah. but i mean when you when you get in bad situations like you know having two out of, out of 400 students show up you yeah. can you can learn from that and yeah, yeah, yeah of course yeah. correct for the future that was my turning point yeah. <laughs> in my office yeah that kind of thing. and that was pretty much in the latter stage and then at that time i was like i was trying to prep the this this successor i really wanted a girl to be the next president and it happened i was very happy um akmushak she was the next president um i don't know experience after i i handed over office i hid in the cave i hid myself from everybody just to recover from that trauma it was a lot <laughs> it was a lot like, so yeah so any any regrets and after regrets what do you feel was your biggest accomplishment in that experience yeah so regrets first um i poorly managed my team in the sense that as a leader you should play chess with the people you're working with people have their own personal motivations for doing what they do and then they have their own strengths and weaknesses i just put people in places because i trusted them to do the right thing mm. which was pretty much unfair to them because I was counting on our friendship that they would care and do the right thing. But right. I put them in the position where their weaknesses were more exposed than they actually being strong and learning mm. from that kind of thing. And I learned that a hard way. And then I put my some of my friends in very uncomfortable situations and both emotionally, which affected our relationship. But later I was able to fix that. But the point is that understand each team member and then put them in the right place. And I struggled to begin with. So I ended up doing all the work by myself. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of thing. I didn't trust them a lot when I gave them the work. So I would do it again, whatever they kind of do it. That was my regret. I think we we run into this with the NGO. That right. we're, it's volunteer-based. You're not paying anyone, but right. you only have so much manpower. So you can't really base everything on strengths and weaknesses, right. although that's the ideal situation. Right. I... <laughs> I feel sometimes that just have to you know Roy Roy grabs or, or he grabs one of our our volunteers and he twists their arm so <laughs> so hard that they have to do it. I'm like, but she hates this. You right. can see it in her face. She has no desire to do this. Do this yeah. Nobody does, but somebody has to. Who are we going to get? And and it's a it's a tough situation as a right. leader. Right. Where and how do you? allocate your resources to best exactly. benefit the group exactly. especially when they are not being paid <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 in that sense so um one of the things i was very happy with was um i kind of changed the system and i disrupted that kazakh central asian hmm. thing because <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was really bad at that time where they felt like you know the majority and the privilege whatever that kind of thing. Whenever we had events, we did everything to cater for them, not for everybody, that mm. kind of thing. So in that sense, I really uh, rejuvenated um, their, shall I say, passion from the minority groups. Everybody mm. was interested. There was some form of unity, which I really love. 
And um, it was a moment in time, yeah. Yeah, that kind of that. thing. It was a turning moment, but I'm sure it's it, the whole system came falling back down. Cause, like, I'm not sure they even care about the constitution anymore. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think they went back to the old. Stuff. You did your, you did your part. I did my part. Yeah. <laughs> so you graduated. What were you studying? And tell us about the transition from or graduating to the unknown. Were you going to go home, or did you always know you were going to work in Korea, or? What was that transition time like and, and moving into your current position? Right. So, um, a little context, I got my job right after I graduated. But before then, I was I was doing a lot of self-session. Like I said, when I handed over, I went to a cave. At that time, I was trying to answer the question, who am I, what do I want? And then academics wasn't a problem, actually. It was not... It was just straightforward. You know what to do to succeed. Mm. That kind of thing. It wasn't much of a problem. But I was really um, searching, like, who is Renee and what is he going to do in that time? So um, I was doing a research internship in the lab. I was doing great. I hated it. I hated my God. I'll go home every day, look in the mirror and say, this is not you. You're not a researcher. You're not a scientist. You know, <laughs> I hated it. I could have done a um, uh, master's program easily. All I had to do is just ask my professor, hey, can I join? Or What were you studying? I was studying biology, biology biological sciences. I was doing um, cancer research, drug screening and whatnot. Swabbing the desk in the student office. <laughs> <laughs> What's this stuff? So um, I was doing all that. I hated it. I remember I did an interview with a professor. He gave me a couple of research papers to read so that we can just talk about it. I went home. I threw it away. I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> And in the morning of the interview, I just looked at it. Uh, okay, whatever. Here we go. Mm. I went there and the professor said, okay, what did you read from the paper? And then I just told him some few words I saw in the paper. Mm. And then he was like, that's it? And I was like, yeah. So that interview actually turned into a lecture of him trying to explain what's in the paper. That kind of thing. So he was so disappointed because uh. my grades were actually very good. Uh. That kind of thing was like, and you are researching in this good professor's lab and you couldn't do this. So I could see the disappointment on his face. I was like, whatever, I don't care. That kind of thing. So I left. And then I met Razor. Do you know Razor? Some Iranian guy in the unit. Razor? Razor, yeah. Oh, shit. Sounds like a mean dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he saw me. I was like, hey, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I, I came for a graduate school interview. He looked me dead in the eye. He was like, don't do it. <laughs> I was like, this is, this is the universe speaking to me. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. I was like, where? So the professor was like, oh, he sent me an email. I'm disappointed, but I still think you're a good guy. Just read it. And, and I was like, professor, to be honest, I'm not interested. Yep. That mm. kind of thing. Tough decisions, but sometimes they got to be made. They got to be made. because. And so I think so many people don't. That's the easy way, right? Right. Just go and do it and endure. It secures your future, you know. Exactly. And you're going to be protected and safe. That's and... being reactive, right? And I think that's exactly. a lot of people go through like, oh, here's an opportunity that someone offered me, not necessarily the one that you want. You want it, yeah. That's that kind of thing. being reactive. Now. Yeah, so I could have easily transitioned into graduate school research, whatever, but I hated it. I could do it, but I hated it. Mm. So I started searching, and then, you know, the funny joke I told you earlier, like, my tribe, we are known for business. Mm. I think that was the, it came <laughs> the out, wake-up yeah. call. It was coming out. So business started lurking in the dark, that kind of thing. And then I was like, what can I, which opportunity can I use my knowledge, my scientific knowledge, mm. coupled with business, and then I can use that, you know, to make an impact. And then, yeah, investments came out.
So in, in this field, I got to use my bio background to analyze biotech companies mm. and see how vulnerable this tech is and then understand the business mm. and then put money in there. So that was just like a perfect marriage, yeah. of, you know, the two, that kind of thing. So, yeah, Fantastic. that was it. Go for it. I was going to say the, uh, your Korean language ability is... Zero. Zero? Yes, zero. <laughs> Whoa! Okay, I thought I thought you were going down the same uh, same road that as Jeshun. Yeah. No, because they all went a bunch. The guys who speak went to the language training school right, for right, a right. semester or a year. So it's very no. He came did four years and and he's out. <laughs> it's very interesting because this company it seems like it was made for me. Yeah. It's crazy. They don't need me. <laughs> they don't need me to speak. Must Korean. have been grandma doing the secret black juju. There I know, right? Indiana, Shout out to grandma. <laughs> yeah. Someone's got to explain to me a, bl- a black juju. I only know secret juju. <laughs> <laughs> the black one? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. It's so powerful, man. Anyway, so. We'll save that for the next episode. Yeah, 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 yeah sure. <laughs> yeah, so this company was just right perfect in the sense that. They didn't even require me to even have any English, um, I mean, Korean language skills. Oh, wow. The CEO is fantastic, mm. man. He's so eccentric. He's so, you know, proactive. He's a dreamer. Mm. And he doesn't really care about, you know, what people think, you know, the stereotypes, whatever. He's just about what can you bring on the table, that mm. kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I really love the company. It, give, it gives me a great opportunity, mm. you know, that kind of thing. And then, yeah. But how how did you how did you find it? How I mean, typically, I mean, people the the job application process, the interview, it's grueling for, and not I don't think just here. Here it's a different level, right? But and and, I mean to get to the second stage and to how did you how did the opportunity where did it arise from? So funny, my high school friend Joseph Joseph in Ghana, he told me to come to Korea, Mm. and then. He joined this company, and then I, I, <laughs> I, he didn't like tell me to join a company, but I looked at it, and then he was the one who just made me decide, you know, like this is great for you, mm. that kind of thing. Because in Korean companies, it's just a blur. I have no knowledge about how the system works. You know, I know there's this whole hierarchy kind of thing. So he gave me an inside look of like what what is in there. And then I told him, hey, bro, I want to join. I was like, oh, fantastic. I'm going to help you. That kind of thing. And funny enough, on the day of my interview, I was actually part of the panel. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was such a weird experience. I had to compose myself because I just wanted to start laughing. Like, yeah, what is, is going on? This is on? the least Korean company I've ever heard of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my, my company is so great because it's about what can you bring to the table. They don't really care who you are, that kind of thing. Yeah. But even having a group that doesn't require any Korean ability because that, that shows something about the way they think and the way they operate. Right. Just be taking you for who you are and that you have the abilities and that they don't, they don't hold that over you. Right. Right. Even the, the, the interview was so funny. We didn't even talk about work. He didn't even ask me, what do you know about investment? Because he understands that you learn as you go. Really hmm. investments, especially investments. You like it, you work sense. hard, you'll be good. Yeah. If you're ready to learn, 
and understand how the, the game goes, you'll be fine. So he didn't spend much time drilling me about knowledge. That kind just, of thing. The, just before this interview starts, that guy on the panel owes me 20 bucks from last weekend. <laughs> I know, right? And <laughs> we can start. <laughs> but my interview at Unist, uh, Professor Mitchell was in there, mm-hmm. and he had lived in Africa. And he yeah, said, yeah, he right. said on your resume here, it says you spent some time in Africa. Yeah, yeah. He's like, and he asked a question, and we talked about West Africa for like 10 minutes. <laughs> and the Korean, the Korean administrator said, and they're like, okay, guys, okay. But he's, he's well-respected there. Right, right. And we were chatting and laughing about West Africa. Yeah. And yeah, the more experiences you have and the more you can small talk, I mean. The more you yeah. can connect, yeah. Get it, get it away from the, from the formal questions. So with, with the interview, I think one of the things that did impress the CEO was I, I had a toy score, the perfect toy score. Wow. So, yeah. So that's impressive. I mean, not to like blow my horn or anything. I didn't take even blown it for two hours here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the only guy I know is taking a gap year in grade three of elementary <laughs> school. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So Eunice requires you when you're applying, they don't require you for an English test. But when you're graduating, after you've proven that you've been able to study in English for four years, they require you to have an English test score. That's a racket. I was like, what? So the lady was like, go take it. So I was like, whatever. I just went in. But hold on. that For context, yeah. that is because the school is 80% Korean. Mm-hmm. And to get jobs in Korean companies, you need a TOEIC score. Okay. So if Koreans don't have that score, they're not going to get employed anywhere. Yeah. So th- this is to... To help them and to help their students and okay. prepare the student, I, I believe to prepare the students for the job market where if they have a zero percent employment rate, right. who's going to apply there? Apply there, yeah, right. So if they help you get your TOEIC score and you get a good one and you all get jobs, now people are coming. But part of getting right. that job is having the TOEIC score. Right, right. Well, it doesn't apply to you guys. And yeah. the international students always complain about it because <laughs> their English is is usually really good. But I think that's a little background on yeah, your yeah. backstory. Okay. Wow. So I was really upset, and I remember the morning of the test, I called, who was it, was it Jonas or something? I don't remember who, but he was like, oh, you're going to take the toy score? And I was like, yeah. and I asked him that, what do you, what score do you guys usually get? <laughs> and then he was like, oh, about 960, 970. And I was oh. like, oh, okay, whatever, I'm just going to just get a pass code, because I don't even need it, that yeah. kind of thing. And I was like, Did yeah. you study for it? No. <laughs> but the Koreans but, must hate you guys. Wow. But but in context, I did take a lot of standardized tests, the SAT oh, and no, critical reading. So I had already developed that skill a lot right. since I was a kid. So he passed the final comment like, I bet you cannot get a perfect score. And I was like, Word? <laughs> okay, watch me. So I was pissed. This guy <laughs> thinks I cannot get a perfect score. So I took everything too seriously again. And then, yeah, I got a perfect So when I got, I was like, In your face, bro. That kind of thing. And yeah, that was it. So I didn't even think of it. I just put it back somewhere. So on the on the resume, I was like, "Hey, you got a perfect score on the toy." I hear him like, now. <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, life, right?" And, like, and I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "He has never seen anybody like that." And I was like, "I was like, <laughs> to be honest, it's nothing special. Mm. I even English is the only language I can speak and write and." whatever yeah. so don't it's nothing special to me that kind of thing so don't worry about it was like but still it's perfect yeah whatever yeah and that's how we click from that time so nice. yeah <laughs> very interesting. W- was it was it an open call for for employees or 
I think it Or was. did Joseph say, hey, he wants to hire, he knows I got some buddies, he likes me. I mean, for one thing, uh, he must yeah. he must do a really good job there right. for the boss to trust him to refer a friend. Right, right. I mean, if he said no, and then he might just say, my friend's got 100% on the TOEIC score. <laughs> so, okay, okay, bring him in. So, but, I mean, Joseph must have laid a pretty good foundation there. And he's doing an amazing job there. It's crazy. It's crazy. He's. I think he's one of our most respected employees. He's doing an amazing job. So, that counts. But it was an open call for employees. He just said, hey, guys, hey, this is the perfect time to hop in. And actually, it was that kind of thing. And then, yeah, pretty much, I, I hopped on the train. That's so, awesome. He's uh he's hooking up friends. <laughs> that's that that's how it goes, right? I mean, right. Smarty was here and he plowed the road for right. just Ghanaians at Unist, right. and then it was Ghanaians making girlfriends, and then it was <laughs> and then it was Ghanaians making Korean girlfriends, right. and now he's married to a Korean, isn't he? Uh, oh, she's not Korean. I cannot confirm or deny anything. <laughs> well, he just got married, didn't I mean, he? I don't think he's married. I don't think he's married. I think we spoke earlier this year, but uh, actually he's dating an American girl now. Is he? Okay. Yeah. Anyways, he yeah. paved the road, and, and then it was uh, the Ghanaian guys going to Busan and traveling and getting exactly. jobs and exactly. teaching English. and right. So you guys are all paving the road for those that exactly. come after you. Exactly. That's good for, it sounds like the Ghanaian uh, group is quite connected, but um, I know you went to a meeting, and I was talking to Ebby. Um, who's part of the Ulsan Code Camp run by Ben and Andre and Kyungsip Choi, who we had on here a few weeks ago. And she was at the meeting with uh, with Nate, and ironically, Nate seems to be the, the center of the <laughs> of the African community. <laughs> he, was, he came. He stopped oh, he came in for five that. minutes, made his cameo appearance there. He just came for the lunch. No! Yeah, VIP no, lunch. No, no, no. I actually came up to drop the boys. And actually decided not to come because I knew my schedule couldn't allow. But when mm. Nate came, I was like, oh, man, i got to go see Nate. Yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah. That's what... <laughs> but uh, is there any... Has anything come come of that yet? I know Abby... Yeah, i got to talk to these guys more. Abby but... was looking to create a platform that, that, connected, uh, that connected everyone. That was a Korean-African youth forum. Mm. Yeah. And, and anyways, more power in numbers. I think you guys got to get on it. And yes, I don't know if you're interested in that or not but that's a different discussion maybe yeah. tell us a little more i don't know how much time we don't have much time left maybe but tell us a little more about the company culture and stuff i have a certain impression of korean company culture you've just completely destroyed that, destroyed that yes. um what is it like clearly doesn't follow the same hierarchy that most right. korean companies do right. um what are your intentions are you trying to climb the ladder or are you trying to just get your feet wet and, and get something for your resume and a stepping stone or is this possibly a, a career? Yes, it is a career. This I made this decision because it made me happy. I will, at that time, like I said, I was I was searching myself. I wouldn't have made this decision if I didn't feel like I was happy with it. So long term, yes, yes, I'm gonna be here. I think mm. <laughs> I'm gonna. Be I want to be here. I'm very happy with the company. It's not a regular company, like I said earlier. There, there is no, there is hierarchy, of course. In the sense that the person who is more responsible, who is more productive, who is more of a leader within the group is the one who is who's um should have more power, I guess. Mm. <laughs> yeah, if I put it in that way, in that sense. The level the level playing ground is, is, is leveled. It's leveled. Um there is no um advantage to everybody. It's just based on your passion, your hard work, and then you're honored for that. Totally. And which is why you like it. 
which is why I love it. Yeah. Because that was one of my main headaches. So I remember after the interview, he, the CEO was like, do you have any questions? And I was like, I want you to tell me very honestly, how is it like to work here? Mm. And he started laughing. He was like, I'm the boss. If I tell you, you think I'm lying, that kind of thing. And I was like, anybody could ask. And they were like, yeah. But they know? lie all the time. Yeah, they all lie. the time. But it wasn't a lie in the sense. No. They were quite truthful. They were like, hey, here, nobody cares who you are. They care about what you do. Right. Yeah. But in comparison, I was tra- I was training a 26, 27-year-old mm. young woman. And she was applying to lots of jobs for international companies. Right. Um, she originally thought I'd like to work abroad. But then she thought maybe I can work international company in Korea and get that experience and then move abroad. Right. Okay. Um, because not many people willing to take a chance on just a random Korean in international office. Right. So she she got a decent job and signed the contract and everything and they, they promised her A and they delivered Z. <laughs> She's there twelve hours a day. She works Saturdays, Sundays, wow. no time off. And she sent me one a couple days ago, maybe a week ago. Hey Nate, I, I just got an email from Amazon. They want me to come for an interview. And I was like, Whoa. Huh? Where did they find you? How did they and it came yeah. from what's that say? LinkedIn. LinkedIn yeah. And they saw what I'm doing and this and that and my scores like you and I thought, well, go, because it sounds like you absolutely hate that job that you thought was, but there's no job market for a 26, 27-year-old. It's so hard. She's educated. She did her studies in Toronto. Wow. Um, but it's so hard to get in. I said, you're going to almost have to just take anything right. to get some experience and endure the, I don't, I don't know if abuse is the right word, but abusive company culture of Korea right. to get that experience that might allow to open some doors for something else. So I'm I'm glad to hear that you don't have to do any of that stuff. Yeah, I'll I'll be quite blessed, I would say. <laughs> I've been quite How big blessed. is the company? Is there opportunity for advancement or Oh yeah, so yes. Right now, um since I joined the company, this year we opened the Berlin office in Germany. So we have offices in um Singapore. We had one in China before Corona hit and then it was shut down. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have I think five offices in Korea. So we are definitely growing. I see great potential in the company. I can think, and the company culture is also great, I think, which is going to prepare, especially if it wants to move on to the global stage. Because if you use a Korean system on the global stage, it's going to crash. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. What's the ratio of foreign employees to nationals? Um, Currently, it's just Joseph and I. And how, how big is the company? How many employees are there? Oh, Hundreds? Um, Plus all the global offices, we're mm-hmm. looking at about 40. 40 people? Yeah. But even the office in Berlin and Singapore, it's all Koreans? No, 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 no. Um, Berlin, Germans, Singapore, Singaporeans, okay. mostly. And then Korean, um, Koreans. Okay. Mostly, yeah. the, so what, what do you see as the f- next three years, five years? What's what's the future? Do you hope to move? He's got, he's got an inside line on the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you hope to move to one of those international offices or... Um, is that is that a possible move or no? That's a possible move, depending on the need at that time. Um, but uh, and also currently we are expanding globally, so probably there will be an Ghana office coming soon. Uh, sadly, we don't have a lot of tech in Ghana. So, <laughs> anyways, um, yeah. So if the need be, but um, right now I'm in Korea. I'm having a great time here. I wouldn't want to move, but I don't really put emphasis on where I am. It's pretty much where what I'm We're, doing. You know what I mean? So if what I'm doing will take me where I'm supposed to go, I don't care. But you're pretty driven and goal-oriented. So can you fulfill those just staying here within the one office here? Or is it going to the office in Seoul, maybe? Or I don't mean for location. I mean for 
fulfilling your desire to do more and to be more. So our job, we don't need to be geographically present, especially, you know, with these, you know, right. Zoom and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Sure. So whatever I want to do, I can do it here. From down down. From down here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you're saying it's, it's That's the, awesome. the rent or whatever is, is, it doesn't put that huge strain on Burden, you. Exactly. And then you can focus on other things in life. If you don't have that 10% of your brain, like, how am I going to pay the bills? What am I going to do? You know, exactly. that's, you can Rent, that student to... loans. Right, right. You're laughing, you man. Some, you good decisions. <laughs> You've made it already. Oh, no. I would just say that. So, yeah, definitely. Even this year, I've spoken to about, like, four companies in France and Germany and whatnot writing down though so <laughs> and, i don't need to yeah and what would be the promotional track it's just um the number of investments you execute the work you do that kind of thing and our company is very true to that mm. it doesn't matter how long you've been there what matters is how much you're doing very so true. if you got scouted from a, a bigger company would you stay loyal to this one because this is what gave you the opportunity in your start and your foundation or would you take the jump for you know, what's yeah, yeah, seen yeah. as a greener pasture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Personally, I feel like growth and success for me is happiness. If if I'm happy, I'm I'm fine. I'm I'm pretty low maintenance. I don't even care. But but the point is that I think that my leadership truly do care about me as an individual. So if it's a chance for me to grow, I'm sure they're gonna support that. But currently I'm a learning investor, right? So and they've given me this opportunity. So I'm I'm not even thinking about, you know, that right now. Mm. Sounds crazy as like a long-term person, but I want to take it one step at a time in the mm. sense. And being a great investor, really um, going to a greener pasture or going to a bigger firm means they have more connections. They have more like mentoring and those kind of things. Even if I wouldn't have it in this company, it's not something I, it's something I can get. You know what I mean? Mm. It's something I can get still yeah, right. in that sense. So what a bigger company will offer me probably would be more money, more connection, more platform, right. maybe more fame, I think. But I don't need that. Uh, should I say no? <laughs> I, I do, I do. But like I'm saying, you can still get that with this opportunity. Right. Got, and that's it. And I see a lot of potential in this company. So surely if I stick and stay, I'm sure this company is going to be as great as there, there's something about making it on your own, right? And making it yourself right. as opposed to just joining the already made. Right. right. There, there's a certain pride or... Being, being a part of the of the rising. Right, right, right. Awesome. Right. That makes the story way cooler too, right? Yeah. yeah and, and I don't mean it's easy to join the the successful places, but it, but it is yes, compared yes, to, yes. you know, making your own and growing it from the ground up. Right, right. It's, uh, it's a lot different. Well, it must be a really good feeling when you say, I'm sure if I do well... They'll take care of me and they'll promote me and whatever because right. that's not the case for most people around the world. Right. And uh, that must be a really good feeling and comfort to have, especially living in a foreign land right. and right. being black and yeah. all the other things that you have to go through. That must be. It's truly amazing. It's truly amazing. Like, I, I really feel taken care of in the company. I really do. Good. Yeah. That's awesome. Sounds like you're on the on the path to success, or you've already already <laughs> already made it, man. You define success as, as happiness. As happiness. As happiness. I don't money money. I've I've come to a place where, like, money is great. It makes life easy, but it comes with this trouble. You yeah. know what I mean? If you're not truly happy, you're gonna be sick. I think. 
Because when I wake up every day, the examples are all around us. Yeah. Every yeah. day, watch so, the watch the news or read the Hollywood celebrity. Exactly, it's all around us, man. Exactly. So if I every time I wake up going to work, I'm like, oh, cool, what am I gonna do today? Oh, mm. what's up today? I check my emails. I'm like, okay, great. I'm gonna do this. I'm no, I'm not like, oh shit, yeah. it's Monday. That kind of I don't. Yeah. Even on the weekends, I work because I'm more intrigued. I'm trying to learn. And That's what my I think our wives don't understand. When we sit down at our computer or something, or we're doing something for We Hope, it's because we really want to. We want it's to. not because I hate it. It's because I, I I love doing this. Yeah. <laughs> and and we don't go out drinking and we don't go partying anymore. Right. And when we do our volunteer work or we do this, and she's like, "What time? Seven. She's like, "You're crazy." I'm like, right. "But if we love it, we do it. We do it." And that's why when you said, "Yeah, any early morning's fine," I was like, "How early, buddy?" Yeah. <laughs> He's up at like four thirty or something. <laughs> Hey, I can get up anytime because because yeah. this is what I like to do. Right. So, right. And that's it. Yeah. A little a little bit off topic, but a little bit related. Have you seen the BTS thing going on? Yeah. B- yeah. BTS gave a shout out to the American and the Korean soldiers who died fighting for the freedom during the Korean War. Right. And they the the head guy made it as part of a speech accepting an award in the in the states. And China said, "Hey, you're leaving out our." Dead soldiers. Right. Have you have you seen this? No, no, I've not seen. So it. China fought with or back North Korea during the Korean War, and China said, "Hey, what about what about us?" And they're like, "Do we have to praise our, our opposition's dead soldiers?" Right. Like, no, we're, we're we're free. We're Korea now because America fought with us, mm-hmm. and this is why we are Korea and the free Korea. Right. Anyways, China ended up putting a lot of pressure on, and now it's to the point where. Or China told Samsung, Hyundai, and Fila, the three major sponsors of BTS, that if they don't stop supporting them, they can't do business in China. Whoa! So here's the guy on BTS, the leader, and he's, they got a lot of a lot of they got a huge platform. They got a lot of responsibility now. They got to be careful what they say. What you say? And yeah. he says, you know, we wouldn't be here without. He was in America accepting an um, award from the Korean Association oh. of something something. Uh, for their contributions to Korean-American relations. And he said, he gave a shout-out to the American fallen soldiers who sacrificed for Korea's freedom and to the Korean soldiers. And China says, hey, you're." they felt embarrassed that he didn't recognize them. And, why Why do I have to? You were, you were with North Korea. Why would I? Yeah. And China says, okay, Samsung, Hyundai, Fila, cut them off or don't do business here. And And apparently they have. I gotta read more about it. Yeah, and yeah, and now it's China. China can run the world this way, which is right. scary. And America does the TikTok thing, and China goes, "Hey, whoa, no, no, <laughs> we're using your game against you." Right. So, right. Here's these guys with all the money in the world. They can't ask for any more success. But I, I don't want to say suicide. But in Korean culture, this guy's having a devastating effect now in right. Korea right. because of this. And like the Sam Cherry thing, you either have to say sorry or it costs your career. Right. So Sam, Samsung, Hyundai, they say, okay, BTS, sorry, guys, can't do it anymore. Or it costs them all their business in China. Mm-hmm. And this poor guy was doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And now he's going to be, oh, my God, I just can't believe the the, the blowback. from. Oh, that. my God, man. Speaking, speaking of TikTok, <laughs> have, have you seen the buddy on the skateboard no. listening to Fleetwood Mac? Drinking the, yeah, drinking the cranberry story. juice. But just, if we could all take a page out of that guy's life. 
<laughs> uh, he just he seems to have I mean a very difficult job, almost nothing, uh, almost no assets. Truck breaks down, he jumps on his skateboard and he's just cruising home. He has a, a two liter <laughs> bottle of cranberry juice. Just man, he, he just looks so free in yeah, that moment, right? And so free from from everything. And I think I don't know, man. We should all. Uh, yeah. I think yeah. I think one of the greatest gifts in life hmm. is to do what you love and get paid for. Yeah, I think it's one of the greatest. I don't know whose quote it is, but they said if you do what you like and you do it passionately, passionately, it'll become your life and your job. Right. And if you if you like taking pictures and you keep doing it, it will make enough money for you. Either right. you'll be teaching it or selling it or right. as long as you do it with all your heart, it doesn't matter. If you say, I want to be a poet, do it all in. Yeah. And eventually it will pay off for you. And you'll either be a poetry teacher or a writer or instead right. of just how many of us take the job because we need the money, money to, right. to do what? To get where? If, you, if you're not actively trying to seek money and praise. Both will end up finding you, I think. In the, in the, yeah. Listen, I got a ton of more questions for you, but I think we probably have enough time clocked for today. Yeah. There's so many other things I want to ask you about, and and I know you're part of the the music guys and uh, the church and the influence it has. Yeah. Um, some of your mentors and the community, the African community here. You're planning to stay long term. Yeah. Where you see yourself? Would you take an active role again, not as the Unist or the Unist <laughs> International Student President, but an active role of uh, representing Africans in maybe the southern part of the country, which doesn't seem to have a lot of leadership. Um, is that something you'd be interested in? Or not? I, I have a hundred other questions for you. Um, I think this was awesome. Uh, I, I had a really good time. But would you be willing to come back yeah. for another round? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> depends, <laughs> depends how breakfast is. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I mean, I, mean um, I, I don't see myself as like, some successful guy everybody should learn about. But I think everybody has their own unique story that we can prove them. That I mean that's it. You, you know what I mean. But so, that humbleness is the one is the thing that's gonna carry you, man. Right. Staying, uh, but this know. is part of what we like, just sharing stories. Exactly. And and everybody has a different story. And how many people don't know about the unique and amazing individuals in this just city? Right. Or in Korea or in Gyeongsang Namdo. Right. There's so many awesome people. And even so many people that we interview on here that I think I know, I think I know well, and then I'm like, holy shit, (laughs) I only knew like the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more to you. And that's why this is a really cool opportunity for us. Um, You mentioned the tribe many times. (laughs) I'd love to hear more about the tribe and get a little bit more into that little black magic so we got lots of other topics if you're willing to stop by again we can get on some of those absolutely we'll have sunday morning sunday morning sessions just give me a time and date awesome fantastic dude thanks for coming in guys i hope uh i hope everyone enjoys we'll talk to you soon